This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. It's great to have you with us for the Tuesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. On today's Noon Business Hour, it is Travel Tuesday as Europe begins to close down to the United States again. We'll tell you what to do if you have travel plans there already. Why is gold not being impacted recently as there's been a lot of volatility and uncertainty on Wall Street and a change in South Korea regarding app store payments is not only going to affect us here in the United States, but maybe all around the world. We'll get into all of that on today's noon business hour. Right now, the report on home prices in June is a record setter. We're joined by Robert Dye, chief economist at Comerica Bank, based in Dallas. Uh, Bob, tell us, home prices here, they're really rising. Kind of give us some of the nuts and bolts. Well, if I can make a pun here, home prices up through the roof. We saw a record-setting report here from the Case-Shiller U.S. National Home Price Index up 18%, or more than 18, 18.6% year-over-year. Uh, and even on the month-to-month, uh, that was up 1.8% month-to-month. Both those year-to-year gains and month-to-month are record increases, so a huge acceleration in home prices. What kind of an impact does that have on the market when you have uh, higher prices? I mean, it seems like that would drive some people to sell, but would also make it so some people can't buy. Well, that's, that's true. It's, it's definitely a two-edged sword. It's, it's a positive in that if you own a house and, and uh, you're gaining a huge amount of equity in your home, that's a positive wealth effect. It's supportive spending. Uh, but if you're trying to buy a house and everyone has to live someplace, especially first-time buyers going into the market, they're getting priced out. And, and so that demand component is going to suffer. Uh, the other thing that we uh, that I'm concerned about is, is the effect on those with fixed incomes because uh, that equity in their home is only usable if it gets unlocked through something like a reverse mortgage or something like that. Maybe they're not willing to do that. In the meantime, they see their property taxes increase. So this is going to cut both ways, depending on how you're positioned in the market. What does it mean to the wider economy to have home prices so volatile? I mean, it it hasn't been that long now that we've seen big dips in housing prices, and then they bounce back, sometimes slowly, but they do bounce back, and now they're really rising. Well, the, the old adage that if something can't go on forever, it won't, and and we won't see this go on forever. And, and certainly, the the stronger upward momentum we see now invites strong downward momentum later. And, and so uh, that is the concern uh, right now. I, I do not expect the bottom to fall out of the market. I'm looking for a gradual moderation in in upward momentum upward momentum here. We're seeing inventories starting to increase. It should be a little bit less of a seller's market uh, this fall. 
So hopefully we're in a gradual correction territory. But if things remain just this record-setting strength in home prices, we could be set up here for a correction. Let's talk consumer confidence. Uh, it, it tumbled again, and I'm guessing that's COVID-related. Yes, the conference board's measure of consumer confidence for August. So they came out and said there, that it was COVID-related, and, and that certainly is weighing on, on people's concerns. Uh, the uh, forward-looking expectations are down. The present situation index is down, and consumers said that they're going to start um, their intentions for spending on big-ticket items like homes, autos, appliances are cooling. Now, the one thing we can say in, in, in economics is that consumer confidence doesn't necessarily equal consumer spending, but it's a big component of consumer spending. But with a strong job market, with those child tax credit payments coming out, uh, they will also be supportive of consumer spending this fall. Thanks so much for all of the insight. That's Robert Dye, Chief Economist at Comerica Bank. Just ahead, getting the most out of time spent in the office. As more companies adopt a hybrid work model, employees are faced with challenges brought on by time in the office. Here to discuss strategies to make the most of it, Michelle Reisdorf, a Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half here in Chicago. Uh, Michelle, so help us to understand this, because you're going to have some employees who are only in the office two days a week, maybe three days a week, and that's going to be a different situation than they're used to. What can they do to actually make it profitable? Yeah, so I, I definitely think it takes quite a bit of planning on their part. Um, you can't just expect to kind of show up in the office and for things to go smoothly after, you know, almost a year of remote work. You know, the number one thing we suggest is be proactive about kind of coordinating those days in the office, whether it be scheduling meetings um, or, you know, getting some face time with other people that will be in the office as well. Yeah, I'm thinking that you're going to be in the office, you know, two days a week, three days a week. That doesn't necessarily mean everyone is going to be. That probably just increases the necessity for planning ahead if you need to meet with someone in person. Absolutely. You know, especially as a manager, I know myself, I reach out to my team to kind of check in on what their schedule might be for the week, not because, you know, I'm concerned whether they're in or out, but just to make sure that if they are going to be in the office, that I can set up some time with them in advance and, you know, block my schedule, block their schedule um, so that we do have that face-to-face time if possible. Do you have to go through and figure out, okay, if I'm going to be at home and then I'm also going to be in the office, what is best left for home and what is best for the office? I mean, different tasks are, are probably done best in those different places. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we say that home is really great for you know, quiet individual work um, that doesn't require the involvement of other people, maybe reading, reports, et cetera. But, you know, for the days in the office, you want to focus on tasks that are, you know, involve others, you know, especially large groups, if you can get them together, that interpersonal communication is really um, important nowadays as we get back into the office. Because some people may have the tendency to come to the office, but then go hide in their office in the corner somewhere (laughs) and and not actually interact with people. That doesn't make much sense. Yes, we definitely say if you're going to be in the office, be out and about. And not just with the members of your team, you'll want to take some time to even network with other departments, maybe that you haven't seen personally in a year. And so definitely use that time to reestablish, you know, face-to-face connections. 
On the flip side, though, you just have to be careful because um, people are excited to see each other again. So you want to make sure, you know, that that whole day doesn't become just about connecting and you don't get any work done. Is there something to reevaluating where you hold meetings, whether they're one on one or larger group? I'm thinking you don't necessarily want three or four people in a 10 by 10 office anymore just for everyone's comfort. Yeah, you know, I think you. First and foremost, you got to keep health and safety, um, you know, at the forefront of anything you plan or do. Um, but certainly where you have the opportunity to be in person, you know, uh, for myself, we have entire teams that say, you know what, we're all going to work in the office together on a Wednesday so that they do. They all are present and together as a team at least one day a week. And then from there, you know, they kind of schedule their individual days, whether they want to be in office or work from home. Thanks so much for all of the advice. Michelle Reisdorf, a Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half here in Chicago. Up next, major changes could be coming to the way app stores operate. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. South Korean lawmakers have approved a bill that will ban major app store operators such as Google and Apple from requiring developers to only use their payment systems. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, author of the book An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. Uh, Shelley, help us understand here, what's South Korea doing? You know, I'm fascinated by this, Cisco. I really am. They passed a law that says that Apple and Google, it's called the anti-Google law. That's what its nickname is, but it's Apple and Google. And basically, as you described, they're going to force both Apple and Google to allow developers to charge for their services outside of the Play Store and the Apple App Store. And Google and Apple will be forced to comply. Now, the question is, will they? There's two possible scenarios here, both of which are fascinating. One is that Apple and Google will comply, which sets a precedent for them to either be sued by every other country on the you know face of the earth and have the same situation occur where they have to give up a certain amount of revenue. That's one possibility. The other possibility is they say, no, thanks and they pull their app stores from South Korea, which sounds ridiculous and probably won't happen. But could you imagine how quickly the government would come to its knees if Google and Apple said, yeah, okay, well, then we're not going to just do business in South Korea because then every Android phone and every iPhone in all of the country would be rendered useless. So I wonder how this is going to play. I don't think that Apple or Google have the guts to do that. So maybe that's not a possibility. They haven't said what they're going to do. My suspicion is they're going to comply, which opens the floodgates for every, you know, every sovereign nation that has laws and regulatory to say, okay, Google, Apple, you know, this is the new thing. You're just going to give up a bunch of revenue. So that, that's where this is. It's a pretty amazing ruling, and it's written into law in South Korea. We just have to see how it plays out. You're right that what they could do is just say, forget it. You know, we're shutting it down. There'd be an uproar among the people. And yet I I think other countries know it's not like they can do that globally. At some point, it's almost just like waiting them out if they want to make this change. Yeah, I mean, look, neither you nor I get to play this particular game. This is a job for the senior management at Apple and at Google. And there's public policy and there are deals, you know, we're we're not going to know. But it's binary. They're either going to comply or they aren't. Right. There's no middle ground. So if they do comply, it sets a precedent. That's my suspicion. I think that's what's going to happen. They'll 
They'll comply with the law because they're they're known to comply with laws. They're law-abiding companies. And then this is going to change the way that developers interface and interact with Apple worldwide and Google, too. If they don't, hey, it's going to be a prize fight worth watching for sure. <laughs> Absolutely will. And it'll, uh, as you mentioned, be interesting to see what happens globally. That's Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group. Just ahead, Travel Tuesday, tight restrictions coming for people visiting Europe. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Residents of Louisiana and Mississippi deal with power outages, flooding, and communication problems in the wake of Hurricane Ida. A top drug maker reveals results of testing for a potential vaccine to prevent HIV. Travel Tuesday, the European Union has taken the U.S. off its safe country list, recommending tighter travel restrictions for Americans and goals often viewed as a great hedge against inflation. We'll update the market on the precious metal. Why is it not doing what's expected? WBBM Business, the Dow down 37, NASDAQ down 14, and the S&P down 7 points. Sunshine, blue skies, a really wonderful Tuesday. 81 degrees right now, headed up to a high of 83 degrees. Thousands of people face weeks without power in Hurricane Ida's aftermath, and in many cases, they're unable to get in touch with friends and family. Correspondent Julie Walker reports two residents of Louisiana are making communication a personal matter. We're pulling up to the Miss Edna. We're going to check on them right now. Vincent Ocello and Evan Michel are live on Facebook, checking on neighbors in Lafitte, 25 miles from New Orleans, which largely escaped catastrophic flooding, while other nearby communities like theirs were not so lucky. You all right, buddy? Roads are now waterways. At one point, their boat hit a street sign. I'd also ravaged the region's power grid, leaving all of New Orleans and hundreds of thousands of other Louisiana residents in the dark with no clear timeline when electricity would be back. Officials say some places face drinking water shortages affecting more than 640,000 people. In Mississippi's southwestern corner, entire neighborhoods were surrounded by floodwaters and many roads were impassable. Several tornadoes were also reported. I'm Julie Walker.
Johnson & Johnson says its potential HIV vaccine did not provide protection against the virus in a study of young women in sub-Saharan Africa. The company plans to end that effort. However, researchers will continue a separate late-stage trial involving a different composition of the vaccine in men and transgender individuals. The study in Africa found the vaccine was only 25% effective at preventing HIV. It's 12:33. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets are negative, just barely. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. The Dow down 37, NASDAQ down 12, and the S&P down 7 points. Let's see what's going on. Shah Galani is here, Chief Investment Strategist at MoneyMorning.com. Shah, always appreciate your insight. What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Not really much happening. Not much at all, Cisco. Uh, a little bit of a down day, but you know, in the face of rising markets, it's not unexpected to see markets take a little bit of a breather. There's hardly anything going on. There's certainly not any profit taking here. Just a lot of nothing today, which again is is quite normal. And it doesn't matter what's going on now. Really matters more how we end the day. And it could be we could end up higher at new record highs. That's way it's been going. Wouldn't surprise me if that's the way we ended today. Do you find some investors get nervous when they see things around the flat line, wondering if, uh, you know, you never know which way it may break? <laughs> no, actually, I see, I find more investors get more nervous when they see markets continuing to rise. They're wondering, well, what's really pushing markets forward? Why are we going higher? Uh, what's the big headline news? What is the why? And I think uh, I see an increasing number of investors nervous as we make higher highs yet again and again. And I think part of that is simply the result that they don't understand what's driving the markets. They don't understand really it's earnings, earnings, earnings. Companies are making great money. Profit margins are at records in the second quarter. We're going to have a good third quarter in terms of earnings. And that's uh, earnings are the mother's milk of investors. And that's what they like to see. And that's what they're seeing. So they that is really what they should focus on as opposed to any of the narratives and the you know, negative narratives here and there that pop up and, and scare investors. How do you feel overall about market valuations? Because you, you, you do see them, you know, record highs. I mean, stocks keep going up. And yet at times, it seems like maybe some of them are expensive. Well, it does seem like some of them are expensive and some of them are expensive, but those are in relative historic terms. Um, I think uh, just uh, the incorrect way to look at it because we are not in old times. These are not historic times. These are new times. And the way earnings are viewed should be in terms of what is the growth potential for earnings of companies. Investors who understand that they are willing, they're seeing better growth potential in terms of earnings are willing to pay up for that growth. So multiples are a lot higher than they have been historic. It doesn't, historically, that doesn't mean that they are over, companies are overvalued. It just simply means investors recognize uh, that they are willing to pay up for growth and they're getting it and then so those in the end those valuations are justified and if you're not willing to pivot in that mindset it seems like you may lose out on future growth if you're waiting for the valuations to come down to wherever you think they should be based on what you've seen historically there are investors still waiting since 2009 for the market to come down so they can get in 
and as they're going to be continuing to wait, markets are going to continue to go higher. It doesn't mean we're not going to have bumps in the road. It doesn't mean we're not going to have sell-offs for an occasional correction now and then. It does mean, however, that investors know, they start, they've started to understand in the last couple of years especially, that there is no alternative. Interest rates are low. They're going to be kept low. Uh, the Fed is probably going to taper sooner rather than later, but they're not going to raise rates. So, again, the stock market, equities are the investment choice for investors globally. And continuously we see with mergers and acquisitions, uh, with uh, buybacks, there are fewer shares available. We don't see the kind of IPO growth that we have seen in, in decades past. And so there are now fewer shares available for investors. And there is more capital being created globally every day. So you have more capital chasing fewer shares. That's the recipe for rising markets. So the advice to investors going forward, especially as you mentioned, earnings have been pretty good. Yes, it's all about earnings. The economy is still coming, climbing out of the COVID recession. And I don't care if, if we don't see 7 to 10% growth in the third quarter or GDP growth of that, anywhere near there in the fourth quarter. Uh, if we see GDP growth in the 3 to 5% rate, especially if we're at 5%, that's fantastic for a very mature economy like the United States, the size of the U.S. economy. So that's what I think we're going to see. That means that companies are making money. The Consumers are spending, and again, that just justifies valuations. I think investors need to stay the course, stay in the equity markets, uh, endure any bumps and and you know <laughs> some some fear now and then, uh, but comes with rising markets, and and uh, think they'll be better off um, you know a year, three years, five years, ten years from now than they are certainly doing anything else with their money. Good advice. Thanks so much, Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist at MoneyMorning.com. Up next, Travel Tuesday, Europe once again clamps down on visits by Americans. CBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday on the Noon Business Hour, sponsored by DiscoverPeoria.com. This afternoon, we're setting our sights on Europe, where the EU is calling for tighter restrictions for people traveling from the U.S. Joining us on the McGrath-Lexis business line, Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher, JoeSentMe.com. Joe, it seems like this is going to present some challenges because not all European nations are doing the same thing. Right, and they never have, Cisco. What the EU said yesterday was, we're going to take the United States off the quote-unquote safe list, so you countries should act appropriately. Um, that raises the question of which country wants to keep Americans coming. That would be places like Greece, Italy, Spain, even France, through the holiday season, which probably lasts well into October. Um, then we shall see about those countries. The northern tier countries, perhaps Germany, might clamp down a little earlier, but again, it's a country-by-country country decision. And so if someone has plans already, are, are they in some trouble? I mean, unless they have the ability to get out of those reservations? Well, I would say first thing, if you have plans, make sure you're vaccinated, because the first thing they will do is clamp down on unvaccinated travelers, because they don't believe testing is enough. So if you really want to travel, get vaccinated. If you have travel, I say in the next 45 days, I'm sure you'll be fine. If you haven't yet planned your travel, maybe wait to see what happens. And if you're holding tickets, for example, like I am for Christmas in Europe, there's nothing to do but wait and see whether the country you want to visit 
changes the rules on you or makes the rules so prohibitive that you don't want to go. So it's going to be a day-by-day, country-by-country decision, Cisco. Unfortunately, there's no overarching uh, decision you can make. So as far as uh, you you say, get vaccinated, make sure you have that in place. Um, You you should also check to make sure, I mean, I'm wondering, country-by-country is what we've been thinking, but I almost wonder if region-by-region this is an issue in Europe? It it might get to that if, if the Delta variant gets really tough. Although, again, remember... Cisco, and just today the EU announced that they are 70% vaccinated, fully vaccinated for their adults. That's 20% ahead of us. So their fears might be, oh, those Americans might get us contaminated again. So the best thing you can do is get vaccinated, pay careful attention to the news of your specific destination, and make sure you're in touch with the airlines. Because the airlines, in fairness, have done a fairly decent job keeping their own customers updated with the rules and the requirements and the endless paperwork that will be required even if you can travel. Now, I, I'm, I'm just going to point this out and see what you think, because I know I've seen some people online bring this up. Uh, you know, Europe opened wide just in time for the summer travel season, and now that that's winding down, all of a sudden they're cracking down again. Uh, is, is that a legitimate thing to bring up, or is it really just because of the Delta variant? No, as I said at the beginning, this is much of it has to do with the, the holiday season. Now, EU didn't change their rules until June, but Italy, Spain, Greece, three of the most popular destinations for Americans, opened up months in advance. And even as bad as things will go, they will close later than anyone. So there is a, a financial component. There's also a political component. Cisco, because the United States still does not allow Europeans to come into this country without a quarantine. So there is when when the season gets slow, say late October, November, the Europeans may get annoyed again on on this ongoing political issue we have. What does it mean for airlines? Uh, I mean, they were really hoping things would stay open. Um, I think it's going to be financially difficult for them. Uh, United and American United especially really ramped up their service. But they've gotten very adept. I must say this, after all the years I've watched them, Cisco, they've been more adept this year at taking down capacity and adding capacity than I've ever seen them. It used to be you want to start uh, a European or international service, you need a year. They've done it sometimes with as little as a month's notice, and I'm sure they'll look at loads, and if a flight is not going well, they'll drop it and just give you your money back if they drop it or convince you to take a travel credit. Thanks for all the insight, Joe Brancatelli, editor and publisher, joesentme.com. That's Travel Tuesday, this time tomorrow, Personal Finance Wednesday. Still to come, an update on the gold market. Why is gold not reacting like it has historically to inflation? Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. September is traditionally a solid month for gold. Let's get insight on the precious metals market from Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in D.C. Uh, Mark, first off, have we been seeing in gold what we would ordinarily expect to see in gold in this high inflation environment? We have not, and that's been a source of some mystery. I think perhaps one clue, and of course it's just a clue as to perhaps why we haven't seen gold respond more uh, more favorably to the increasing inflation is that the sentiment among gold timers is uh, very exuberant, if not outright enthusiastic. And as you know from previous conversations, 
uh, there's a contrarian theory that I subscribe to, that when there's too much bullishness out there, the market typically does not respond well. What's interesting about this time around is that even though the inflation arguments are just as strong today as they were, let's say, three months ago or at the beginning of the year, we're seeing a lot less bullishness among the gold timers we track. There may be a variety of reasons for that, but from a contrarian point of view, it suggests that perhaps this time may be the one in which gold actually does start to shoot up in order to respond to the inflationary pressures. Just fascinating to see uh, crypto, I mean, something that most people still don't understand, and yet there's a lot of money in it and a lot of money flowing into it every day, it, 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 almost like a gold competitor. Well, it is. And there are a lot of people who refer to cryptocurrencies as exactly that. They'll refer to Bitcoin. In fact, some of the cheerleaders for Bitcoin are referring to it as gold 2.0. And who knows all the motivations of people putting money into the cryptocurrencies. But there's no doubt that some of the money that's going into crypto would have otherwise gone into gold. So I think that at least is part of the explanation as well as to why, as to why gold hasn't responded more on the upside this year. So what should investors do when they're thinking about gold, whether to put money in or take it out? Well, that, of course, is the $64,000 question. It depends on whether they're a trader, whether they're trying to go for a quick buck or whether they're holding it for the long term. Most financial planners tend to rely on research that shows that maybe a five or as much as perhaps a 10% allocation of your retirement portfolio to gold or to other commodities. It doesn't have to be gold might be a good idea over the long term. And that's because gold tends to go up when stocks and bonds go down and vice versa. So by including it in your portfolio, you can smooth out some of those gyrations. But I haven't seen any financial planner or research looking into that that has suggested a bigger allocation over the long term than that. Thanks so much. That's Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, barronsandmarketwatch.com. Past programs, later today, a podcast of this hour at wbbmnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.